Hey everyone, this is Paul Rabel, your host of Unbuckled Chinstrap. This week we were not planning to release a podcast in observance of the very tragic events that have unfolded over the last two weeks to the black community, and in particular through police brutality and police murder, and the latest being the George Floyd case that is now 11 days ago. The league released a statement Our players have spoken. We have given our employees time off to observe, reflect, educate, donate, participate in protesting. I went to downtown LA on Tuesday. I know a number of the PLL team members did as well. But this past weekend, I sat down with one of the greatest leaders in all of lacrosse, a former teammate of mine at Johns Hopkins and with Team USA, an opponent in the PLL. He was my first guest on Unbuckled Chinstrap, and he is our director of our DNI initiatives at the league. He runs PLL Assists. He runs our player relations. He's a man that wears many hats. He's a father and a husband, and you all know him as Kyle Harrison. Kyle and I have spoken about the topic of race, racial injustice, and racial disparity in the sport as a whole over the last decade or so, and in particular over the last five years as we worked much closer. And we plan to get on the phone on Friday. Uh, We spoke quickly and then said, hey, let's carve out some time tomorrow morning. Let's Google Hangout and record this thing for no purpose other than to keep. And uh, him and I had a coffee Saturday morning. We got up and uh, just talked. And turned out that it was a conversation we felt compelled to share with you in long form. And that's what we're doing today. So not in a traditional structure of a podcast. So here we go. But it's really bad, man. It goes a lot deeper than, than what happened uh with George Floyd and, and everyone else, like like systematic real shit is happening right now, um, and like kind of being disguised with the George Floyd thing. Mike and I spent like an hour and a half last night FaceTiming Gus Hennenberg. I'm texting with him right now. Yeah, he, he's he's a uh, he gets I, look he he's like a guy he's fun to talk. I'm sure you like experiences just because he's been through a every level of it, right? Every for so long. Um, I just don't know, man. I mean, even this guy where you're going back and forth with my, my Instagram, like just his lack of understanding what his comment uh, meant uh, and how that's, that's, um, he's, a, I mean, he made a final one that was like, what did he say? His last Nobody one I, I wanted to go after is like, yo, bro, Kyle went to Hopkins. That's the, the least black school or something like that. It was just like, it was just, sometime you that just, part, that's wild. That's for sure. Wild. You, you know what I actually felt that. about that response was, well, we know he's racist, but sure. When in arguments, when people like we tend to do go down a path around the exact subject we're discussing. And then when you reach a place where you're like, fuck that person's right. Or like, mm, I can't use that excuse anymore, which in his case was, I'm a fan of Kyle. I have his poster on my wall. And I was like, 
right. that doesn't make you not racist. And right. then, and I, I pulled that from Gus Henenberg too, when he was talking about Muhammad Ali to me last night, like mm-hmm. pretty much every white supporter of Muhammad Ali in that area was racist, but like, you can't say because you're a fan of an athlete or you have a black friend that you're not racist, especially yeah. if you're making racist comments and acting racist and and then so me saying that and him then reverting to something that was completely irrelevant. Had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, I mean, actually it, it, psychotically gives me some hope that what you did landed. And like he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna he's not going to become um, you know, a supporter or an ally. But at least sure. like it landed. What I what I'm used to is people continuing to defend themselves. Yeah, no, yeah, you're yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. wrong. Because I because yeah. I'm a Kyle Harrison fan, and because I have yeah. a black friend, I'm not racist. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. yeah, no, man, just bum me out. This is a whack start to the morning, Paul. It's a really I'm, whack start to the morning. How's your family? <laughs> I had to talk, my family's good, man. I think we're just. I don't know. I mean, she and I talk about it every night. Brooke's not old enough to understand what's going on. Smith is obviously not old enough. He's two. Uh, I think Jules' story um, will resonate with with Smith and Brooke when they're older, right? Because that's probably what they'll experience. Um, Mm. But I don't know, man. I think uh, I I tweeted about it earlier. I think what's got me, the George Floyd situation is so terrible and heartbreaking and confusing frightening, terrifying, all those things, without a doubt, uh, especially because we saw it on video. I'll get back to that in a second. But I think what, what really has me shook up is the Amy Cooper thing, because, like, for us, that leads to the George Floyd thing, right? Like, the, the privilege and the ability to... I mean, she, like, changed her voice and made up a story with the thought in her head that it's either going to, one, scare this black man from continuing to talk to me, or two the cops are going to show up and then this black man's going to have a problem, right? Like that's exactly what she was, there's no like argument or, or way around explaining that. And so it's just terrifying. I think both of them, I'm sure it happens all the time. This isn't, this isn't unique to, to right now, but I think both of them happening so close together, it was just such a clear, like that's what, that's like a thing they have at their disposal. That's privilege. Um, and it can lead to, <laughs> what we watched happen on video for nine minutes, right? So Jesus. just a weird week, man. It's a really, really weird week. Yeah. You talked to, you talk to your dad yet? I know you said he we're was gonna like to, We're going to talk tonight. Time. Big guy and I will talk tonight. I, you know, look, I think uh, every everybody's – she's not awake, sweetie. And remember, dad's on the phone. Can text her? I will text her and then I'll come let you know. I think that the the other thing about this, Paul, and you and I have like touched on this before. Like every every black man, woman has a different experience, right? Like I I know that I grew up in a scenario uh, with with two parents, with a with a dad that was a doctor. I got to go to private school. Um, I got to go to Johns Hopkins. All those things, but doesn't make me any less black right? like I, I still deal with the same thing that every black person does we all do uh and so i think my dad is probably with this specific scenario since it's all so close to home it's so visible that we all got to like watch it happen um it just reverts back to conversations we had when we were younger right some conversation i'll have to have with smith like 
and the cops pull you over, be prepared, but keep your hands in the square. Like I remember the first time I got pulled over was in Ocean City, um, 7 p.m., driving the Jeep, like going speed limit, like just pulled over uh, to check and see if I was wearing my seatbelt. And look, do they pull a bunch of people over? Like probably, but like, is that like literally a scenario that my dad told the second I could start driving that my dad told me it was gonna happen and how to handle it? Like, of course. And, and I think uh, that's just a thing black males, really black everybody, females go through similar stuff, have to deal with and have to learn from, have to be prepared to experience. And I think, you know, my nephew, and out of my family tree, right? Like I, my kids are super young. My nephew's probably the, the closest person that we're all worried about going out in the world soon because like, this shit is crazy. Like there's real, like real life crazy stuff. The first day at school, somebody dropped an N-bomb on him, right? Um, and that was just like, that wasn't like in the in competition. That wasn't like, you and I have seen situations where people have been on a field, they banged heads and something has been said that was racist and has so many problems to it. Um, and then someone hides behind competition or whatever, whatever their excuse is. This was literally walking down the hallway in a school. Um, and so it's just a different experience, man. And it feels, uh, I think for me, it feels real because like, now I'm, now I'm in charge of, of kids and I don't know. I think we're, we're all in a position, yourself included of trying to stand up and, you know, be leaders and express hurt. Like I think ultimately that that's what I am, right? Like I keep tweeting about, like I keep thinking I'm going to come up with some great, uh, plan or write or video. I'm going to come up with the right words, but I'm just fucking hurt. I, I don't, hmm. you just, you just feel lost. And I, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I've been, I've been struggling all week trying to come up with what I want to say or what I feel or what, what the take home is or how to go forward. And I just keep coming back to like, this hurt it just sucks. I think there's you also, and you've always had pressure on you as a leader in our sport and a leader of people to, <laughs> It just says, as leaders do, have this sense of obligation to say something. But what I know you've also been doing a lot of is is having conversation with literally fucking everyone, from yeah. your white friends to your black friends to white lacrosse players to black lacrosse mm-hmm. players, and yeah. that is uh, that's more than enough. I mean, you've been leading yeah. you've been leading this sport for twenty years. Like at some point, I, I'm, you didn't say it, but I, I'm, I'm listening to other black leaders every minute say they're tired. And like yeah. that just feels what's coming through the screen to me. Man, that, that's uh, like, that's the word. So I wrote, I wrote down knowing you and I were talking, I was just thinking through like trying to somehow put framework around my feelings. And I like writing. So I felt like writing was going to be like the easy thing to me. And just nothing came. Uh, hurt came scared and uh and tired and i think tired man because like i think i've seen a few people i mean again I'm, there are people far more educated more active uh than i am uh so i'm just following them but like i've seen a ton of people talk about we need our white peers to say things, to step up right like we're obviously all hurt we, we are hurt, we're crying, we're, we're in the streets, we're protest, like, we are hurt, right? And, um, but we've been hurt. This situation that happened this week isn't new. Like, we've, we've been hurt. Um, and maybe this one was the most visible and, and it was just the worst video I've ever seen. Um, but the black community is hurt and, and 
ultimately it's going to take more than just the black community being hurt and stepping up uh for, for change to happen and i think you know some of the some of the things i've seen man like and it might seem like a small one but like i watched a few videos yesterday of just different white police officers all over the country like just condemning what happened they were like that that's not what we were taught like those four people should be arrested convicted like that's a done deal uh, and i think you know uh, people try and paint like a broad stroke when everyone like not all cops are bad that that's i don't think that's what anybody is saying right like uh but i think the relationship between some police officers and the black community is broken right and i think a step farther is there's a lot of fear when it comes to black males specifically and police officers right i saw who wrote who, who tweeted it i think it was um i think tj kemp tweeted it uh Someone shot in his car. This was like three days ago. There's a bullet hole in it, or a BB hole. There was some. I mean, his windshield was fractured in the hole. And he tweeted like, "I didn't want to call the cops because, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen when they show up. Nobody's here. Bullet hole or whatever hole in my windshield. And that's just like that's a microcosm of how of how most Black Americans feel. Um, or how I shouldn't say most. I should say how a lot of feel. You know, again, I don't want to paint a broad stroke, but it's just a stressful time, man. I think one thing that we've been talking about is the alliance and the importance of white people to stand up, acknowledge, show support, but also do. And mm-hmm. a place where, you know, you and I have talked about this for the last four or five years when I gave you a call and talked about, you know, some of the transformation that I was going through in therapy and what that mm-hmm. skill began to come to life in me was was empathy and uh and then i started using that skill to do research again around uh the importance of of feelings that people have and in this case i'm white you're black we're close friends it it, but it's it's the the issue at hand is that the oppressor is white and i've told you before like the thing that's that's so hard for me to understand why people cannot fully wrap their arms and be as empathic as they need to is like this is still first generation racism that existed to your parents my parents grew up in the civil rights era like like where we are today and where you are as as a son of two black parents knowing that what they went through in in actual racism there's 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 a part of life that you have been brought up in with exposure to to this level of violence and hate and i've told you before like the fact that we can even have a relationship where you can look at me and be like Paul's my friend and I don't feel threatened by Paul. I don't feel threatened by other white friends is like, I can't imagine it. Like if the roles were reversed and I have said this privately to white friends, like if the role was reversed and our parents were subjected to hate and unlawful treatment and uh, saw their, their, their closest friends or their family members lynched and their, uh, their their homes caught on fire just because of the color of their skin. How would you feel about the other people? Like yep. I don't know yep. how you are yep. such a good person. That's yeah. that's what I think about often. Now yeah. the other thing that that I just implore people, especially white people, and this is something that 
I think has been brought to the surface more over the last 72 hours is the notion of being anti-racist. And I'm sick of seeing either in my previous self or white people across the board who are not racist that feel like that's enough. Because the reality yeah. is it is a it is a very vulnerable and it is a very uh, it, it is just a very realistic and actual thing to own as a white person that if you are not doing something and what doing something means using your voice, supporting your black friends, supporting black people, contributing to black lives causes, contributing or lobbying or putting pressure on institutions that have racist policies that are fucking everywhere. If you're not doing that, then you by default are now complicit to the continued and ongoing racism because the racism is coming from white people to black people in most cases. And so like we are a part of this fucking thing. And and like so we need to, if we are not racist, be anti-racist and fucking stop it. Yeah. No, I wish. And that just needs to be fucking heard from white people. And it's okay. And you'll never understand what Kyle is going through and what your friends and your peers are going through. And you'll never understand it because we don't have that experience and we'll never have the experience as white people. You're on it. Um for, for me, though, it, it comes down to levels. And I actually talked to Jovi and Chaz a lot about this. Um, when it comes to support, I, I do think there's a level, and I've talked to our white friends about this, of like, they're not sure what's acceptable. Right? Like what, what level of support shows uh, that, that they are empathetic and they want, they want to help and they want to show that they're anti-racist? And I think for for us, and I, you know what? Forget it. I'm not talking about. It. I'll say for me. For me, um, I think supporting and showing any sort of empathy, support to what's happening right now, and emotion lets me know where you stand. I think when you're when you're black in America at this very moment. What goes through my head all the time is trying to figure out what, what side are people on? Like, really, what do you believe in? When this stuff happens, does it impact you or do you think it's just whatever, right? And when you don't say anything, my assumption is that <laughs> it's not that big a deal to you. And if that's the case, then I have a fucking problem with you, right? Like, then, then we're not what I thought we were, right? And so I think just for, for me personally, not everybody else, I'm talking for me personally right now, I'm, I'm just paying attention to who does feel like an ally just because th- this is real shit now, man. This is, if you didn't, if you didn't, couldn't watch that video and like not get sick to your stomach and not be able to sleep and not understand that there's a real systematic problem, like at the core of the country, um, I, I, it, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. And I think to your point, support, uh, whatever that form is, man, whatever that form is, whether to even it's not just calling, your, your, your black friends and letting them know you empathize with them. You watch what you're here. If they need to talk, you're here. You understand. You'll never fully understand what they're going through and what they're experiencing, but you're here. Like that means something. I can't tell you the amount of dudes who have reached out just with that sort of text. Like, yo, I, did, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, uh, went to predominantly white school. Um, I've obviously had black teammates, but I, I'll never understand what it means to be, to be a black person but I wanted you to know that this situation is fucking terrible and I'm here. Like, let me know anything I can do. I'm here. Like, and that goes a long way. Not because I need you to feel my pain. I don't need that. What I need to know is that like, 
you're riding with me. Like you get it. Like you understand what we're going through. And if, even if you don't understand it, you're trying to. And that this means something to you, just like it means something to me. You'll never feel what I feel, which is okay. You're not supposed to, but at least you're trying. And, I, and that goes a long way. Um, and yeah, man, I think I had to, I had to grow in probably over the past few years to feel, feel comfortable and probably even like be able to form formulate my thoughts around it. But that, that's like, that's like really where I've landed on it. Um, yeah. I mean, I had I, a ton of people reach out with to the nuts. I mean, I, I sit here and I, I, I feel a feeling that white people should all feel, which is guilt. I feel because, uh, I now feel in a position and a place, a headspace place and a relationship that I have and enough work that I've done to sit here on the phone and talk about this shit with you and do the best that I can to do what I think and what you've told me and what other black friends have told me is right and continue to do. But I also look at the historical oppression and modern day issues and deaths and mistreatment that have take place where I've been quiet and mm -hmm. haven't been anti-racist. And uh, the reason I bring that up is I think what I, one of the many things that I've learned is that as white people offering support and empathy and action, you're going to make mistakes, but black people and black friends will accept you for your effort. And so I go in, I used to go into these like conversations with you, hella nervous. I don't know if yeah. you knew that because I just didn't want to say, and I said the wrong things. I would sometimes say, I need yeah, to practice yeah. empathy and tell Kyle that I understand, but I don't fucking understand and I'll never fucking sure. understand. But sure. I think it's important that, that we know that like, we'll never experience what you're experiencing. We had as white people, a role in that experience and continue to do like one of the things you've told me about and Trevor's told me about is like, just your still to this day where you go, you know, letting your kids go to school and like, it's on your mind all the time, the Everywhere. systemic injustice and, and, Everywhere. and risk and health risk and danger. And like that for me is, it's not binary. People look at binary as racism. Either there's a racist act or no one's racist. It's like yeah. your experience in nope. the world is daily and is like runs on your mind. Like a breakup will run on someone's mind, a fresh job mm -hmm. loss or a death like that, that, mm -hmm. that um, experience of grief where someone goes through something that's a, a, a very difficult and emotional challenge. You think about it all the time. That's your, that's, that's your regular life. Every day, every day. I walk in a restaurant every day. Walking to where, if I have my, like myself, I'm, I'm a little more, um, what would I say? Not, not relaxed. That might be the wrong word, but at least when I'm alone, I know like I can, I can usually get myself out of any situation. Right. I think, when I'm with my kids, my wife, like different ball game, no matter where we are, I walk in, you see where we're, see where we're going, feel the room out. And I think again, Paul, that that's like not new. I've been doing that since my dad told me to do that 25 years ago when I was like old enough to go places without my parents. Like that's been the deal. Look, understand who you're around, understand who you're with, understand what their parents have taught them. Like, you know, my, my, my dad, uh, to this day, like, when we're out, <laughs> whether that's a vacation or we're at a family dinner, like 
and somebody looks at me and my wife the wrong way or looks at my kids the wrong way, like it sets him off just because he's been watching it for his whole life, you know? And, and he, uh, he's more, because of how I was raised, again, I said earlier, I've grown into understanding this. It took me a little bit. Um, but he, he was born in it, right? So like he's always had to have that chip on his shoulder and pay attention to what's going on and understand the room, understand the, the different scenarios that could unfold and have a plan to get his family out of whatever situation unfolds, you know, like I can remember a ton of, a ton of things that happened in my childhood that I didn't understand or think were racist at the time. But my dad, uh, obviously thought it was racist. It was racist and explained to me years later. Right. So like, one second, Paul, do not put it in her room. You can put it on the door outside of her room. Do you understand? Do not open the door, sweetie. She's asleep. No, she's asleep. Don't knock on the door. That wakes people up when you knock on the door, right? Sweetie, if you want to have your movie party tonight, we, we can't wake mom up. You kept her up all night. And daddy's on the phone? So, sweetheart. I can just hear something. Sweetheart, it's not her. It was Ace. He jumped down to go potty. But daddy's on the phone. I need you to go back and watch your show. And I'll check on you in a second, all right? You can go. You can. No, no. If you go in that room, you're not, I'm going to cancel tonight's party. It's going to get canceled. You cannot. You can't go in the room. No. You drop it where? Without touching the door. You got a deal. All right. I love you. Uh, at a girl. Uh, sorry, Paul. Um, it's, and she, so she is at an age where like my life is a negotiation. She's five. Yeah. So like, there's no tell her this and she no shot yeah no no way um but you know i think one of me and jules talked about this the other day is like i'm trying to figure out like how am i gonna have all these conversations with my kids i said earlier my kids will probably have the same experiences as jules and josh just because of what they look like but they're still black right like they think they're still especially once people see i'm their dad like they're still gonna deal with the same shit they're they're a part of this too um and so i think deep down like part of my anxiety around all this is trying to figure out how to how to walk them through the world and you know i think what kept me up two nights ago was the thought of like jesus christmas my i can't imagine like i literally can't imagine what my parents went through they put me in great situations right like i'm fortunate i know that my dad i went to private school i went to college um private school from kindergarten through through 12th grade right so i know that i had a great situation but I can't imagine their fear every time I left the house. Mm. Every single time. Right? Like praying that nothing goes wrong. Right. And I think uh, as a dad now, like I, I get that. I get my kids can't go anywhere without me, but like I get that anxiety and I'm dreading the day where I have to prepare them for that. Um, and I have to prepare myself mentally for it. I can't imagine my parents. It's been, I mean, and not to talk specifically about lacrosse, but our sport, man, being predominantly white, like now I get why my dad showed up at every field, right? Like why my dad was, he was in the operating room. It shouldn't yeah. have come to the game, but homeboy made a way that he got there. Mm. He got there to make sure there were no issues. And, and God willing, I, I didn't I didn't have any issues. Uh, none that were like serious enough that turned into a real issue. There were some things that happened in the stands that he dealt with, but like mm. now I know why he showed up. The cat, I mean, he, he shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be in the operating room, but if I had a game, uh, specifically when I was younger, no shot I was going to be at that field by myself. Um, so it's just tough, man. Tough fucking times. Why did your dad play lacrosse? I don't know. I don't know. 
You know, because you, you think about what they went through. I don't know. I think uh, probably, I mean, you know Baltimore, right? Like everybody plays. Uh, he had friends that played. Um, he was good at it. Um, and then when I came along, I think he, he didn't discourage it, but he, he, he tried to make it very clear what I was headed towards, right? Like what what this sport is in terms of uh, there are not many black people playing and there may be some people that don't want you to play, right? And, uh, and I, I, again, because of my situation, I didn't experience it that much. I think my eyes are, are a little bit more open now that I've gotten older and like kind of get it. And, and I understand like the quiet racists, like I, I know I know who they are uh, within our space. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, why, why it sets like my, my dad's generation off as it should, like I'm sure if we got Coach Cardo in here, he'd say the same thing. Like the stuff those guys had to witness, Paul, like well, my dad talking about, you know, seeing somebody hanging from a tree or seeing somebody get a rock thrown at him, all like the craziest stuff you could imagine. Um, that video is not far off from that. Like, right? That, that video is arguably like just as bad as stories we heard from, you know, 100 years ago. So it is you know, it's when, just as yeah, fucking bad it is man it's just as bad if not worse you know and and so Jesus. i think for, for that generation they look at it and they're like we haven't fucking come up we we, we haven't improved at all if anything it's it's just like disguised better <laughs> and uh people are in power that can control like you know when when that older generation looks at what's happening today i mean i think our our anger uh, and fear is real, clearly. Um, but I think their anger and fear comes from a place of like, I've seen this before. Like, I have lived this before, and here we are now, and this shit is still happening. Um, so, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. Again, I've said a lot. Ultimately, it comes down to me being tired and, uh, and, and really just hurt. Like, really, really hurt. Like, even that dude's comment today, Paul, I think uh, frustrated me. Like I don't, I don't even know if he meant it this way, right? This this could be me reading into a situation, but him saying Kyle didn't go to Johns Hop or Kyle went to Johns Hopkins, that's not exactly the black experience. So, is that does that comment mean that somehow because I went to Johns Hopkins University, I'm not black enough to feel hurt or pain? Um, for everything that's happening like is that what he and i don't know if he's sharp enough that's what he was implying but like so because of my my background i'm not black enough to to feel that like what are you talking about man i deal with the same shit everybody else does we all every black american has a different experience than white americans period every black and brown american has a different experience period i don't care where you're from i don't care how you grew up we all have a different experience than white Americans, right? And now within, if you want to get even deeper into it, yes, every every black American American's experience is different. I know that I, I was fortunate in, in my parents. I know that. I, I get that. I'm not I'm not trying to imply I'm I'm from somewhere I'm not. I'm proud of where I'm from. But I'm still black. Uh, and I still deal with this shit. It's it's the fucked up thing about human psychology is the manipulation and the multiple kind of engineers path taken to try to sidetrack a conversation. And yeah. what I've learned is, is trying to be like very specific around the subject that's being discussed 
and what we're discussing is racism and what you've shared with me as a pain for you in the past is your upbringing and that's not dissimilar from someone like kobe and you guys are a lot alike in leaders and best in sport and uh but but we're talking about class we're not talking about race so it's like okay let's talk about classism then because classism is really important to discuss Right. Absolutely. Just why just why Absolutely. I've been really focused on not saying during this time the importance of, you know, discussing women's suffrage and LGBTQ inequality and, um, you, know, uh, you know, sexual orientation discrimination and religious discrimination. All, like all of that stuff is important to discuss. But right now, let's just focus on it. race. Let's not focus on all class. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think by nature, I, I'm a thinker and I'm able to land somewhere. Uh, with some sort of conclusion, typically, right? Like I can, I can think through whatever happened, whatever I'm feeling, and I can, I can move forward with feeling. All right, this is what happened. This is how I feel about it. Let's put it to bed. I can't get there here. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get there here. Um, I'm just hurt. Yeah, hurt and tired. I think that's why uh, I've been reading a lot on grief, and there's a stage of grief that's called bargaining, where we try to basically create some type of rationale or logic around what yeah. we're experiencing. But the thing yeah. about grief and why we're in it is it's inherently the opposite of that. We don't have control, and mm-hmm. and we want to get it, but we can't. And so you just have to sit in this fucking awful feeling. And uh, but I will say that, like, you know, just spending a lot of time with you in the past is you're doing everything you can. And I think, like, a big takeaway is that more people need to do more, and specifically white people who can be of support. And, and I don't know why this has now become so clear to society and maybe and maybe our social media following and social media um, sphere of influence is closed off and I was talking about this with my brother last night is the thing about Twitter is we follow people who we share belief systems with and like I'll on occasion add someone who I don't believe uh, in the same systems so I can experience or try to experience their what they're what they're discussing and then know and be prepared to have that conversation. Back and forth, yeah. But you know, yeah. you get caught into this social media bubble where like, oh shit, everyone's, everyone's now responding and more people are responding, but I have a fear yeah. that that's not the case. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but anyway, I, I want your thought if like, do you think that, that more, uh, that more, like isn't, it, what are the immediate solutions and, and like one of which I've talked about uh, with white people standing up and being anti-racist. And then two, I know I've seen a lot of like the educational ground game of like ripping up all prior textbooks that were written by, you know, uh, you know, founding groups of white men and including new yeah. literature around modern day racism and modern day experiences of black people and minorities. Um, but I don't know what else. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. I agree with everything you said. I think, um, to my point earlier, I, I've just been trying to land somewhere on action items and like what to do. This is such a, such like a real deep seated problem, Paul. That it, I think that's partially why I'm having trouble. There's no like fix, like easy solve. Uh, this goes so much deeper and, and has so much more history to it. Um, 
And so I think, you know, surface things that can be done or, or you're, you're, you're spot on that, right? Like you're show support. And I think the one thing I would, I would say is everybody is different in terms of what they're comfortable publicly sharing. Like I do get that, right? Like I think I've had to, you've been great at this for a while. I, I've had to learn and evolve and, and kind of find my voice and, and how much I'm comfortable sharing in terms of how I feel um, or how the situation makes me feel. But I think any sort of show of support, empathy, and unity is important. So again, if that's something public on social, by all means, that's great. If that's just literally, you have black friends, you know black people, even if it's a black acquaintance, whether it's not even somebody you're that cool with, just reaching out and letting them know you are there, you feel you feel for them, you can, you'll never understand exactly how they feel, but you're hurting too, you're hurting with them. Like that goes a long way. Again, I think we're, we're in this space, or, gotta stop painting everybody. I am in this space, but like, I'm, I just, I want, I want to feel more comfortable uh, with the people that I interact with, you know? And if, 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 like, depending on what's posted, and like, and again, since we're talking social for a second, like, if I see something, something crazy supportive of, of what happened, uh, and I see, like, someone I know or I'm friends with, like, commenting on it that they like it and it's good, like, that, that lets me know which side of the fence you're on, right? And so, like, be con- like, that's, like, a real thing. Be cognizant that this is real stuff. Like, jokes about this stuff, not funny. Uh, I've seen a couple of those on social. Like, it's not fucking funny. Um, what, what would you say? What, what's a joke? I, have, I, I can't even imagine someone trying to, like, bring uh, light to this situation. Yeah, so- yeah, I saw like a wrestler guy, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm never, I won't get into like people losing their jobs or keeping their jobs, but I saw like a wrestler of some sort lay on the ground, and somebody put a knee on him, and he was like, like knee on his shoulder, and he was like, not dead, or something like that. Like, that, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. Like, that's not funny. Someone just died. Like, that's not fucking funny. Yeah. What, what did you, what went through your head? And you know, the, pro- and the problem is, it's a deeper problem, is that like, he doesn't get how fucked up that is. Like, just, like I, 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 he wouldn't because if he did, he wouldn't have done it, right? Like if he got how fucked up it was, he wouldn't have done it. It's, it's that simple. And so, I think uh, show support, man. People are hurting. The videos I'm seeing, like there are so many incredible black leaders, man, around the country that I, I've gotten to watch. I think we've all probably gotten to watch on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I'd encourage people to watch watch them speak. Uh, hear the things they say. I've learned so much in the past 72 hours, literally just logging on. And um, well, hold on, let me grab this this one that I want to make sure I tell you to watch if you haven't watched it yet. But they're, they're just people doing like really, really, really incredible things from a leadership perspective and talk, talking to communities that are hurting so badly through the right way to handle it. Because I think ultimately, uh, I, it's uncharted territory. Like I, we're at a point now where this is weekly. Uh, you know, I was looking, there's another post that like had every situation that's been public. Cause there's probably a ton that we don't know about. Right. Uh, but every situation has been public over the past three months and it's, it's just out of control, whether that's, you know, Breonna Taylor sitting in her car or, you know, um, obviously George Floyd. I mean, the, the list goes on and it is just, uh, it, it's just really, really heartbreaking. Uh, how how consistently it's happening, and I think that's that's why like 
everyone, everything I see by these leaders is like enough to fucking know. Enough is enough. Here's what we need to do. Like, we need to vote. How, here's how we change legislation. Here's how, like, they're giving, like, real action items. And again, that, that's not my field. I, I would never speak on it. I'm not well-read enough for that. But, like, there's, there's black leaders in every city right now stepping up and telling us how to make real change. Like, how to make tangible actual systematic change and ultimately like that's where we need to land right i don't know how to get there i don't know how quickly i don't know how long it's gonna take but that's that's inevitably what needs to happen here's here's also one of my feelings on on you and why you know we've had these conversations a lot privately but you're you're like you're an amazing leader of people and you are and you say all the right things all the time. You have way more and way better relationships with me than me. And, uh, and that's just, it's just objective. And, and there's a lot to be said there. Um, to, to people who immediately start thinking about data or equality and legislation, use that immediate moment to fucking stop. Because this is about a human experience, human experiences. And what I always think about when it comes to you is how fucking great of a leader you are. But then you are hesitant around saying, you know, stuff about um, racist policy because you, you feel like there are experts in that field that can speak better to it. But you can speak fucking great to it. But the problem is because people are so data fixed in their sub racism that like the minute they hear you say something where there's data that supports against yeah. it, you're like, fuck it. I'm yeah. not going to say this. And that's a problem, yeah. right? Like when, yeah. When, yeah. when, when this stuff first started hitting social and we were talking about, you know, an AOC was talking about one in a thousand black people are subject to uh, police brutality and people start digging through the record. Stop, stop right there. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Right, like this isn't about yeah. data. This is about racism, and this is about how black people have been treated unjustly. And just stop yeah. it. So, like one of the things yeah. that I try to think about myself is like eliminate all of the data and and like empathy yeah. and experiences about what you're experiencing and fucking listen to what yeah. Kyle and and other people feel. I was I was yeah. uh, I was told by a buddy um, that communication is not about what you say; it's what's heard. And, um, mm-hmm. and so like, like that. that for a lot of people, they go to war over what they're saying there. We all become lawyers and it's yeah. actually about what the other person's hearing. And in a yeah. really, really dumbed down analogous way to the sport that we play is we grew up in a system at Hopkins where if you make a great pass and your teammate doesn't catch it, you get the fucking turnover. So like, stop yeah. throwing it fucking fast and expecting him to catch it. You know what I mean? And so like, it's about it's about what's heard. So just shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent, man. That got me. I mean, that immediately made me think of Kyle Berry and like not wanting to catch his passes. I, just, like, yeah, I couldn't catch Jake Burns' pass, down. man. Jake like whipped yeah. it like a slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, man. No, this is uh. You're spot on it. And that's such a, that, that's, I mean, obviously you've been around me long enough that, that you know me well enough. Uh, that's really where I end up landing, right? When these conversations happen, like even when this first started at the beginning of the week, I tweeted something. Um, I can't remember specifically what it was, but it was around George Floyd and 
someone responded with like some damn graph. It's like, well, actually, in the past, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, a couple months, uh, more white cops or more white people have been killed by cops. And he's like, dog, I didn't say anything about who's been killed more. I said something about uh, systematic racism uh, and how horrific this video is of a white cop killing a black person. That's it. I didn't go into any data argument. And, and it's just... Uh, Oh, no, it's defensiveness and defense defensiveness is a trigger that comes from uh, a lack of vulnerability and and ownership and guilt and responsibility right and i i think that i think that and what we're seeing now and we're kind of just hearing you talk is that it, it's probably going to get worse before it gets oh, better because the more we have these conversations and the more we put people because it's it's difficult to change for especially racist people who may never change, but people who are not racist, but have these like political alignments and certain beliefs that are like wired into the fiber of their, of their body to then change without feeling hard resistance. And, yeah. uh, and the conversations that I'm seeing being had right now are going to lead to more defensiveness. But I think if, I think, I hope, and I'm probably wrong, yeah that if we just fucking fight through that, that we'll see more, hopefully. How? How? It's, I mean, I think what that's we're seeing now, riots like, and protests how? and like fights. And I, at, where that's, what, that's why I can't sleep at night is because yeah. it's gonna, it, when I say it gets worse, I mean like, like real, like racial yeah. divide yeah. and pain yeah. and suffering and, there. and crime you know, and, and hurt yeah. and death. Dude, I think so. I think I think the the divide. I can't speak to everything, but I think the divide is our like we're nearing that. And I think you and I probably live. I don't want to say in a bubble, but we live in areas that like maybe the divide's not as prevalent. Like you don't see it. Um, but if you go to certain areas, man, I think I think the divide has happened. I mean, I think every time something like this happens, when um, folks don't get arrested immediately, uh, the divide grows, right? And um, so I think we're I think we're there, and I think that's that's why it's so scary. And uh, I don't know. We've got, like I said earlier, we've got great black leaders, uh, and there's look, there's great there's great white leaders too that support it. Um, but I think I think we're finally there um, in terms of the divide. Mm-hmm. And I think we just live in areas that we don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see it as much, you know. Like I don't know. I don't know. Like I think if we talk to other other black players in our league, like if you talk to a Jovi or you talk to a, a Ty Warner, I think you know even Jules and Jules's dad, like people people have had different experiences that that uh, I don't know. I feel like Jules' experience has like shaped how he views everything, and you could you could see it in the piece he wrote, right? And uh, it's come up in conversations all the time. And I think for me, my experience shaped how I am, but then now you, you flip that to the leader and, uh, parent. Um, and I, everything, it's like everything's been flipped upside down and it just becomes even more prevalent to like, this shit is broken. And, and immediately what kicks in Paul is like, I got to fix this shit or at least be a part of fixing it and do whatever I can, whether that's donate money, whether that's, 
if I got to amplify stuff on social, even that's like the low hanging, easy fruit to do that. If I got to get on the phone, if I got to create a video, if I got to stand up for something that maybe I'm uncomfortable doing, but I got to fucking do it anyway, then do it because I want my kids to have a better situation than what we're currently in. And so be it. And I think that's probably, if you look at how I've changed over the past five, five to seven years in terms of how outspoken I am, I think it, it was when Brooke came along, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was when my daughter was born. Um, and I think I was already, I had already, I was already comfortable in my space as like one of the voices in our sport. Uh, but once she came along, and I think it was when Mary was even pregnant with Brooke, uh, that's when like I turned a corner of like, I, I have to create a better situation for my children. Um, mm-hmm. and my situation personally, like we've talked about upbringing schools was great. Um, but the situations that continue to happen to, to black and brown men and women all over this country are just unacceptable. And ultimately, if I can be a part of the group, whatever that looks like, right? Like whatever my, my role in it looks like, I have to do it. Yeah. It took me a while to get there. I remember that uh, interview you did with Terry Foy. Mm-hmm. That was one of the yep. first, like, like year year ago, or no, that was, was like six years ago. I know, man. Time is really fluid at this stage. It's especially uh, <laughs> it's a mess. But yeah, I remember you saying you you was the most direct you've been publicly saying like, uh, I I I don't think I'll put my kids in this sport. I don't know how much no. more I can handle racism in sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more thing I want to say is that because you, this is why I like having these conversations with you is that you, the topics kind of take us into other levels of thinking. And, yeah. Um, for I, I've I've shared with you like my one of like so many insecurities and struggles that I have, and I think what where I as I continue to uh, try to be better for you mm. in in my role is, you know, I am not egoless many people sure. think i have the largest ego on the planet uh, <laughs> but 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 i uh and we all do we all have egos sure. we and, have to and and they're then they're like baked in defensiveness and and esteem and our hope for ourselves and and i think that for me sitting here i feel uh and i showed this with you on the phone yesterday that that like I'm on, I'm putting myself on some fucking soapbox as a white person talking about like, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, we, we should do this and we should do that. And like, Oh, you know, Paul is, uh, Paul, Paul still doesn't get it. And so like, look at this guy trying to act like he does. And that is my ego right now flaring at me. And I have to remind myself, like all people, white people that are, going to be active in not only this debate, but at show action and try to help is that like continue to remind yourself that that's your ego. And I think even after this conversation, which has been uh, more than, than what I was hoping it would be with you, Kyle, is like there will be people of different races that say, fuck Paul, like he doesn't fucking get it. And I don't get it. And that's the thing. Yeah. I still don't and I will never. And like sure. for me, and I think a lot of white people's experience is when you put yourself out there and and try to express your support and your feelings, 
it will get pushed back, but it's not fucking about you. And like, that's okay. And it's deservingly given back yeah. to you, whomever it will be. Yeah. And maybe it's no one and maybe I'm mind mapping, but, uh, but even if there is like, that's okay. And the minute I start getting defensive about it is the minute again, that like, that, that like feeling that's deeply built into us as like, Hey, you know, I'm not racist. Why is this person coming at me? Look what I, that's ego. And it's not yeah, fucking about I, me. So if you're 100%. experiencing that same feeling as me as as a white person, just know that it's like part of why we're here yeah. in this place. Yeah. And so just like yeah. be okay with it and understand and like be uncomfortable and that's okay. And because like I'm white. Yeah. Yep. As long as it, I mean, look, I said, I said this to you on the phone yesterday. As long as it comes from the right place and I can feel that and people can feel that. If it's a, if they say fuck Paul because of that, then like, so be it. Like it is what it is to your point. Like I, I think all, as I said earlier, all I can say for myself, again, I'm trying to do a better job of not saying all. what we want, not what, what I can speak for as a black man, what I want when it comes down to support and empathy is for it to be real and for you as my friend uh to tell me that you're there like that that's it and i need to know that that's true i think we, we're looking for allies in this situation just because when, when there's so much so much injustice when you look at i mean we don't have to go deep on this but when you look even go back to cat's protest right like we're we're still in it right and he took so much shit for that for something that happened three days ago it, it's still fucking happening right and uh that took a whole life of its own and spun into something it wasn't. Um, and, and here we are. So we're looking for allies and, and whatever that form takes, like everybody's different, right? Somebody have, some people have the means to donate to organizations that are doing incredible work. Um, Black Lives Matter and, and the list goes on forever. Um, some people have massive social followings and can share things and amplify things and get involved in discussions. Um, some people are connected and, and can help under, people understand how to vote and understand legislation. Like, oh, there, there's a bunch of different ways, shapes, and forms people can help out. Just if you're for real about it and you are an ally and, and you do want to see change, help somehow. Like, find a way. There, there, and again, I want to make it clear, like, every everything works. Like, there's some massive ways of doing it. Like, if you want to donate a ton of cash because you have an unlimited stash of cash, great. But, like, even a call to a, a colleague is a big deal. Like, right now, that means something. Like, that 100% means something. I think any black person you ask, if one of their colleagues calls them and is genuine and empathetic and emotional and gets it or says they're trying to get it, they'll never feel it, but they're trying – that means something right now, 100%. Hmm. And maybe next time we talk, I'll have an actual thing to land on. Because right now, just fucking confused. Maybe when I talk to my dad tonight, he'll slap some sense into me. Yep. He usually does. But yeah, man, that's all I got. Defeated. Very defeated. <laughs> I, wish, I wish there was more. I'm just very, very defeated. Amy, Amy Cooper fucks me up. I don't know. Have you watched the video? Of course. But yeah, I've watched it over and over again. And that one, that one, like, that's causing, causing real, real anxiety. I mean, that could be anybody, man. Yeah. We will walk all the time. That could be the woman down the street. It could be, uh, you know, yeah. it's just, 
having that, you're just, oh, and like, there's so many layers to it, right? Like, the it, fa- it, she fought it through. She changed her voice to sound distressed. Like, there's so many things wrong with that. Hmm. Um, but it, it just, it like haunts me. That that one, that one's so troubling. You saw that you saw the what 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 she uh, was capable of doing, right? What like what she thought that that would do, and then we got to see the end result of it. Obviously, two completely different situations, right? They weren't connected, but we got to see her threaten that, change her voice because she knows if the cops come, black men, yeah, etc. And then we get to see, and then we get to see George Floyd two days later, of 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 kind of the end game when something like that goes wrong. So, well, it's fucked. Yeah. Anyway, what time is it? Oh my God, I have kids waiting for me. I know. Wow. I really want to thank Kyle again for spending an hour with me. He's always so generous with his time. And again, he's been leading the way for us at the PLL with all of our players, both black and white. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you took the message to heart and are doing your part. I think continually doing your part consistency and persistency is a big piece i'm going to leave you with three ways where our league has at least suggested you can help the first is by texting floyd to 55156 that will enable you to sign the justice for george floyd petition again that's text floyd to 55156 You can also donate to the Equal Justice Initiative. That is at www.eji.org. That's eji.org to donate to the Equal Justice Initiative. And the last one, from an educational standpoint, is you can visit colorofchange.org. That's where you can learn about how you can respond effectively to the injustice we all see in the world around us. And one more thing. Elections are coming up this June. I know in LA they're on June 22nd. So do your part and vote. And thank you to Ticketmaster, as always, for being the sponsor of this show. We will talk to you next week. Mm.